You ever try to do something and you trust somebody and all of a sudden you realize this was not a good idea? Um, we had a heating and air conditioning guy come this last week and showing him different places. And I found out that air, heating and air conditioning units don't work all that well if the last time you changed the filter was during the Reagan administration. And then uh, <clears throat> we used to have these big things on the wall here. And boy, they were ugly. They were big and ugly. And I thought, you know, the hot air is up there. So would you please put some returns up here to get this air circulating? And so that's exactly what happened. Until I found out this last week that these things are only sucking in half the air that was being sucked in with these big, ugly things on the front wall. That's why y'all are doing this. You ever feel like, you know, so it's all oh, my soul. I can't believe this. It's like buying a used car from Big Stew's discount house of wheels, you know. You know, I'm so glad the word of God puts us straight. It does. Now, you know, I, I, I've been out of the pulpit a couple of weeks and, and then here today and then my wife and I are going on vacation. We're going to miss one Sunday and two Wednesdays. And we're going to miss you. We're going to miss you. I, I, I don't know sometimes how to describe it. But uh, I love the fact, the truth, that the Holy Spirit comes and he makes a group of people a family. That is phenomenal. We're going to get to heaven. There's going to be a time when we're going to rejoice in him and everything that he did. We don't understand some things right now. We just, we, we don't. When people are going through pain, when people are going through discouragement, when things just aren't going the way you, you wish they were, but they're not. I don't know. I do know this. I'm looking at a message about the results of sin, and I recognize the Bible is true there. The wages of sin truly is death separation from God. And when you're separated from God, it's not a good thing. So this morning and tonight, I hope and pray that we are ultimately encouraged. And I pray that we recognize that singularly, we can make an impact in a fellowship that makes an impact with other people, neighbors, etc. We might not realize it, but it does. How do I know that? My Bible says so. And so may we hear it. Take your Bibles and turn to Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. We're going to pray. And we'll ask God to open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of his law. Heavenly Father, I pray truly that now, Lord, that our, our hearts would be directed to embracing you. Lord, there's times really that discouragement does come. There's times when we have questions. There, there's, there, there's times when we wish things were different. But Lord, we rejoice in this, that no matter what the time is, 
You are large and in charge. This world is stepping into territory that it has never stepped into before. We are preparing for the Antichrist. There are plans and schemes that abound around this world. We are looking at people in our own land that are about the epitome of foolishness. And yet we know you, again, are on the throne. So, Lord, there are things that we can't do about what is out there and what some people are doing. But we can do this. We can stand on the promises. And whatever it is that you gave us, whatever to accomplish, however to live, Whatever that mountain is, we can look to you in faith. Say, Lord, I'm trusting you. Give me that mountain. I pray this in our Savior's name. Amen. We've already described this, and this, this goes back some weeks, that Israel going into the promised land is a picture of God's people coming into salvation and claiming that which Christ has purchased for all of us. Going into the promised land is not a picture of dying and going to heaven. There are no battles in heaven to be fought. This is where we are seeing victory singularly and as a local fellowship, as the body of Christ, we are seeing these things that we can claim. For that reason, we need to recognize, okay, what is it that awaits us? How many of you have recognized in your Christian walk, you have something called the flesh? And and that flesh sometimes is the size of Montana. I mean, it's like, oh, man. When, when we read in God's word about having self, you know, put, put self to death, it's like, okay, no problem. No, big problem. Big problem. And that's exactly what goes on here with Jericho. Jericho is dealing with the flesh. It's big, it's strong, and it doesn't want to yield. Now, we don't, we, we don't read a, a million things into this, but we do take the situation and we can recognize principles, truths, We can recognize opportunities, and we can also recognize challenges that we wind up going through, as you'll see this morning. You know, tonight, we're going to be going to, uh, we're going to be going to a passage in the book of John, where I, I've been blessed greatly. I, I was going to go and continue with the uh, with the situation with the Holy Spirit and our spiritual gifts, etc. Not going to do that. I, I wanted to do this tonight in light of what we see here this morning. I, I wind up recalling something that I have told you all about before. When I was a youth pastor. I went to San Francisco and uh, Calvary Baptist, and I had the young people spending the night. We had gotten together with their youth group, and we were in an activity, and it was the middle of the night, and Pastor Ron Allen's office was open, and it, it was really it was really something. I just reached into his library and pulled out a book. It was written by Spurgeon. I, I don't remember if it was Treasury of David, I just don't remember. I let the thing plop open. I looked down and I saw this quote. There is no feast 
without a sacrifice. And that hit me. I've never forgotten it. There is no feast without a sacrifice. You need not turn to it, but I want to read you something quickly out of John 12, verse 23. And Jesus answered them saying, the hour is come that the son of man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone, but if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. You know, there are people, Christians even, that have all kinds of plans when it comes to life. I mean, they don't have anything holding them back. They might have money, they might have influence, they might have opportunity, and, you know, they are ready to just go. But the Lord says, no, I, I, I've got you here for a purpose. And yet the Christian says, look, I've got plans, Lord. Uh, I'll, I'll do what I can for you when I can. But right now, I mean, on my, my way to big time stuff. Remember Demas? Demas hath forsaken me having What? Loved what? This present world. There are people that love this present world more than they love God, more than they love their Savior. Now, this can get a little uncomfortable because this world is all that we know. And I understand that, except there is a mindset that our God desires us to have. He wants us to be looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And he wants us to recognize, as we'll see at the end of this message, that there is something far greater. And that no matter what your situation is right now, are you listening no matter what your situation is right now, your God not only has this situation in hand, he's got your coming situation at hand, and I'll guarantee you we can trust our God for what's to come. I guarantee it, absolutely. Now, look at Joshua chapter 6, look at verse 2. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given unto thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. This was not a corner drugstore they had to knock off. This was not a little way station someplace. This place was massive, strong, it had a reputation as far as those living in it. It was impenetrable. And the fact is, for the vast majority of people, that's exactly what it was. You're not getting in, and they can look at you and make fun of you and throw stuff at you over the wall, but you ain't getting in unless God intervenes. It was unusual. It was strange, but God said, I have given it to you. Now, again, what is, that a, what is that a picture of? Well, we can look at people, we can look at opportunities, we can look at circumstances and think, wow, that's really hard. That, that's going to be really tough. But before you take on the people and the circumstances and the situation, you need to recognize something. And I say this from reputation, from experience. You've got to take on yourself. Because, listen, three words you need to remember. Self dies hard. Your will dies hard. You know, it's amazing down through the decades 
not only things that you deal with with yourself, but then also people that you talk to. I have talked to people that used to come to this church. I can name you two right now that said, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt, God called me to the mission field and I refused to go. And you know something? Their life reflected that. The outcome of their life reflected it. And what I fear, I get to thinking about this. You realize there's not a whole lot of young men that are surrendering to the pastorate? Do you know there's a dearth? I remember decades ago hearing from people, they said, you know, we've got far more people that are retiring from the mission field, coming back, than are going to the mission field. And it has proven itself true. It's the same thing with pulpits in America now. It happened in Europe. It happened in England. We remember reading stories of how strong God's people were in the British Isles, not anymore. And the countries reflect that. You know something? The same thing is happening in America. Now, here is the temptation for God's people. Well, you know, the Bible says, you know, in the last days, perilous times shall come. Let's just kind of get over into this corner and hide a little bit, and we'll wait for the Lord to return. That's not what God said. He said, occupy till I what? Occupy till I, that means we get busy. Amen? Thank you. Now, I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on anybody, and I am not trying to persuade somebody that isn't called to just forget that and say, just get out and do it. Just just do it. I, I do appreciate, we had a young man in our church some time ago. In fact, there's a few of you, maybe you remember him. How many of you remember Jeff Stikes? Jeff Stikes, he and his wife wound up going to the South Bay. His wife was transferred there. His ministry was this, and I thought this was really interesting. His wife was making good enough money that he, wherever they wound up going, he got into the church and he started to work. He worked on stuff. He built stuff. He changed stuff. You know, it was really good. They went down to a, uh, they went down to, oh, I forget the name of the place where they're at. What's that? Campbell. Campbell. And, uh, Got into a church, and not that big of a church, but praise God, the the property was paid for and such. But it was not that big of a situation. People down there, they're making big money. They don't need God, they think. And the pastor decided, I'm not sticking around. I'm going to go to greener pastures. And he left. And... Guys just kind of started looking at each other and what do we do? And they started, you know, they just carried on. And Jeff thought, you know, Lord, if nobody else is going to step up right now, Lord, can you use me? And he did. And he has. And every once in a while, I get a phone call, I get a text, get something, a question comes. But praise God for that young man who has been working at that church down there. He has been filling in as the pastor. He says, I'm not a pastor, but he's doing the job to help that church continue. Praise God. But the problem is this. There are young men out there that were called, and they're not listening. And that's sad because the call comes from the God of the universe. And there's lots of money out there to be made, but have you noticed what's been happening to the culture? You ever notice what's been happening to some of that money? You ever realize that, boy, now I know why this world is not my home. 
God didn't mean for God's people to be in the midst of this for the rest of their lives. You know what I mean. I'm talking about eternal life as well. In John, excuse me, in Joshua chapter 6, would you please go now to verse 16. The city is theirs. Jericho is going to fall. Look at verse 16. And it came to pass at the seventh time when the priest blew the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, shout, for the Lord hath given you the city. Every day for six days, they circled the city only once, quietly. But the seventh day, they went around it and around it and around it. And what happened? The walls came down. Pastor friend of mine was there. He was with a group of Jewish young people that were part of an archaeological dig, and they were all talking about, Matt, this is amazing. You know, what we're finding, these walls, they came down and out. That was it, except one place. And he said, yeah, that was Rahab's house. It didn't come down there. Let's continue. Verse 17, and the city shall be accursed, even it and all that are therein, to the Lord, only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest ye make yourselves accursed when ye take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. Now notice, if anybody takes, the camp becomes accursed. But all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted when the priest blew with the trumpets. It came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city and they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old and ox and sheep and ass with the edge of the sword. Now, by the way, sometimes people look at that and they go, Lord, why was that? I mean, why did you have to kill all those people? Because of sin, it's told that there was disease that was absolutely rampant, and we know a little bit of that disease now in America. People are taking medications because of living foolishly. It was all through there. But it goes beyond that. God was giving that land to the children of Israel. And God knows the hearts of men and women. He is righteous. Amen? He's righteous. <coughs> He's just. He knows what's going to happen. He said, take them all. Take them all. But something else took place. Look at chapter 7, verse 1. But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, of the son of, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. Now look, can, can we pause right now? Let's recognize a little bit of where we're going in this. You know, this last Sunday, Brother Tim Schmidt preached a great message on losing your awe of God. And you know, we have. We don't, we, we don't see God like, <coughs> excuse me, like I, I, I'm, I'm reading now, I just finished Jeremiah, I'm reading Ezekiel now. And they were recognizing the God of heaven and how Israel 
sinned against him. We have lost our hatred for what God hates. You know, this last week, again, Tim and Megan did an excellent job teaching the children about sin, what it is, what it does, and how to be be free from its penalty. But you've got to admit that there are times that God's people, Christians, people who have trusted Christ as Savior, their attitude winds up being this. Well, after all, it's all under the blood. You know, Christ paid for it, and he did. And I'll, 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 I'll never suffer for it. Not in eternity you will, except, except there's coming the Bema Seed of Christ. You know, there's some verses that we need to recall. Listen to these. <coughs> Righteousness exalteth a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. Proverbs 14. Now now think about that. Righteousness exalteth a nation. You know, how many churches are there in America? Well, there's a whole lot more in America than there are in other places in, 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 in the world. I mean, even places that are our allies. But do you, re, do you realize something? People in churches do not have an attitude about sin that they ought to have. There are Christians that think, well, you know what? Sin, you know, it's kind of the spice of life. You know, every once in a while to do We need to back away from that. We need to get away. Let me show you. Again, let's let's continue. John 8, 34, Christ said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin, you are habitually committing sin. Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. Now, we like to call ourselves servants of Christ. But if we keep going back to something like that, we're not servants of Christ. We're servants of sin. Romans 6.23, we use this in giving the gospel. The wages of sin is what? That you know that was written to the Christian as well as the non-Christian? No, we don't, we don't lose our salvation But we have a situation where we have the stench of the separation from God in us. In other words, it's not of God. It can come because of our attitudes and our actions. Because of that which we allow to be a passion in the heart. How many of us are truly concerned, Lord Am I doing, listen, am I doing, am I seeking your will today? Do we recognize that more and more there's coming this point? That if you stand for Christ, you're going to lose your job. You won't get the advancements that you would that there is such a thing as a a, a score kept on you. And oh, by the way, whatever you've said on Facebook, you think they're keeping that super quiet? We got to start recognizing that we need the power of God. We need the wisdom of God. If we're going to go through the culture that God purposely put us in to be salt and light in. And we're not going to be able to do that if we take our own sin lightly. 1 John 3, 4. 
whosoever committeth sin, again, it's in the Greek, it's habitually, whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. Well, we don't have, you know, we don't have to take or <clears throat> keep the law for our salvation. Praise God, we don't. But we have his commands. We have that which has been directed us. And you know, if it was in the Old Testament, thou shalt not steal. You think the Lord has given us the opportunity for thievery? How many of you, when you left your house this morning, you locked your door? Why? Because people don't listen to, thou shalt not steal. When you drove here, you started with a key. Why? Because there are people that think that they can, they can, they can borrow your car without having to ask you or at least get into it. In other words, we are absolutely eaten alive because of sin. We recognize it all around us. Why is it that we sometimes find ourselves dabbling in it? A couple of more verses. 1 John 3, 8. He that committeth, habitually committeth sin, is of the devil... For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. The God of heaven, Christ, God's Son, came and died on the cross, suffered horribly so that we don't have to pay for the, that sin, but also that we are set free from sin. And yet we walk back into it. Listen to this, James 4, 7. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. We are absolutely up to here with people calling good evil and evil good. The government of America is absolutely corrupt up to here. There is sin and wickedness that is puking all over this land. But let me tell you something. It's not just in the government that we wind up treating certain things a little bit less than we really ought to. Getting away from it. He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not. And you can take that and there's a lot of application there, folks. We know this. And yet what winds up happening? We walk away from God's will. Up here, up here. See, nobody can see the theater of the mind. Nobody can hear the cursing of the heart. Nobody can witness if it's kept inside the anger, the bitterness, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We don't confess it and forsake it. We just keep it in. Now, you know, listen. This is what we do here. We don't look at each other and go, oh, yeah, well, let me tell you, I saw that person and they did. Look, we could all point fingers. We could. How about if we do this? How many of you would love to see everybody else in this auditorium live the victorious Christian life? Say amen. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at people, I'm going, Wait, I don't see anybody that I hope and pray blows it because one day they said something about the preacher and I, 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 I. There's a word for that. It's Greek, it's interesting. It's called stupid. It's called sin. I think maybe you have recognized this. We take this thing called sin into our lives and we embrace it. Do you realize that sin can kill a marriage? Sin can kill a family. 
Sin can kill a church. I've seen it happen. And as we are seeing right now, sin can kill a nation. As I have read Jeremiah especially and Ezekiel, my heart has so hurt for America. Because as far as I can tell, I, there, is, there is no reason at all for God to withhold judgment on this place. The government of these United States is encouraging children to butcher their bodies. If they can't butcher them in the womb, they'll butcher them in the doctor's office as a young teenager. I am absolutely appalled. This is wretched. Even with the testimony of young people that have said, wait a minute, I did the wrong thing. No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Isn't it something, remember decades ago, the big thing was the feminist movement, women's rights. And then here comes trans movement. And all of a sudden, you've got some losers that at one time identified as men. Now they're identifying as women so they can get into women's sports and they can win. Whereas when they were in men's sports, they were getting toasted. So now they're over here and women are going, wait a minute, this isn't fair. And so the government is stepping in and saying, you're right, it's not fair. You know, we're going to work. No, they're telling those women to shut up. Now, you get to talking about that and pretty soon my watch is going to tell me your blood pressure is going up. You better be careful. But this is what is going on. Why? It's called sin. You know, we need to recognize the wages of sin hurt. Hurts people that we know. It's destroyed relationships. And by the way, people that at one time were so excited about life it winds up destroying their vision for living. And that is incredibly sad. Never underestimate, never underestimate the amount of damage one person can do. Never underestimate the damage one person can do when it comes to sin. Abraham's disobedience in Egypt almost cost him his wife, Genesis 12. David's disobedience in taking an unauthorized census that God did not call for, it led to the death of 70,000 people. Jonah decided he was going to run from the Lord, and it almost cost that ship and everybody in it. You know, you look at Achan. Later on, well, let me show you. Go to verse 2, chapter 7. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Bethaven, on the east side of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up, but ah, about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai, and make not all the men, all the people, to labor thither, for they are but a few. So they went up thither of the people, about three thousand men, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai smote of them about 30 and six men, for they chased them from before the gate even unto Shibarim and smote them in the going down. <coughs> Wherefore, the hearts of the people melted and became as water. And Joshua 
rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the eventide, he and the elders of Israel, and put dust upon their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Would God we have been content and dwelt on the other side Jordan. Listen to this. One man sinned, and because of that, 36 husbands or brothers, fathers, whatever, 36 didn't come home that night. And an entire nation, the leadership of it, lost sight of what God had called them to do. Oh, we should have never come. Now, are, 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 we, are, we, are we listening? This is what sin can cost. But it was only one person. But that's all it took. Do you realize that we've got the keys, we've got the hospitals, we've got the wars, we've got all that because one person looked at something and said, when she saw the tree was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. Yeah, I'm telling you, women get us in trouble. Adam ate with her. And the Bible says, in Adam, we all sinned. In other words... If it would have been Bernie and I in the garden, we would have done that. Boy, thanks, babe. (laughs) I better be quiet. The trailer is a lot smaller than the house, see? And, you know, just when you're there, you're there. But you, you, you you see what we're looking at. Now, many of you know the story. I'm going to finish with this. I've kind of, I want, us to, I, I want us to see this, and then I'm done. This is what took place with Achan. It began with his eyes. When I saw, it went deep into his mind and his heart. Then I coveted them and ended up in his hands. I took them. It's amazing how sin just keeps going at it. Achan's first mistake was to look at the spoils a second time. His second mistake was to call what God said was his treasure, call them the spoils. They weren't the spoils of war. They were God's to go on the treasure. His third mistake was to covet. You know, James tells us, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. You know something, guys? Hey, fellas, you especially. But, you know, the women, you're not immune to this, but guys, let's, let's stop. Satan has enough minions He's been watching us all our lives. And he can nail down what drew our attention, what we looked at, what came out of our thought life. He can't read our thoughts, but he saw the direction that our thoughts took us. We have our own lust. What gets you might not get somebody else but there is something that gets you. It might be things that are immoral, or it might be things of bitterness. It might be things of anger. And he pulls the trigger wherever and whenever he is allowed to draw us away of our own lust. Now, fellas, there is never a time, never, 
and I say this as, as a believer among believers, we have to be wise in this. There is never a time when the choice to sin is the good choice. God has what is best. And all of us, men and women, all of us need to understand that we all need encouragement, prayer. Thank you, sister. We all need at times to be reminded of the wages of sin, but then the victory that has been given us. Remember, we've read here, God says, I've given you, I've given it to you. When Christ, when, when, when we were brought into Christ, hey, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Is that in the Bible? Amen. And let's take it. Now, it's interesting, later on, there's two places where there are stones that are piled. One is at the river, Jordan, where they came across, they claimed their land. There's another set of stones that buried Achan and his family. Why his family? Because they knew about it and they were complicit with it. It was known as the Valley of Achor, literally the Valley of Trouble. But the Lord says later on, and you can take the time, look it up, that the Valley of Achor is going to wind up being a Valley of Hope for Israel. You know, there's always hope because God has given us the victory and he's also given us a sure thing in Christ. In closing, take your Bibles and go to Revelation 21. Revelation 21. By the way, I am loving the new cover on this Bible. Thank you. Just five verses. Look at verse one. Now you realize what we're about to read is a sure thing. If you've trusted Christ, you're gonna be there. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. You know, for that kind of future, sin isn't worth it for the present. <laughs> Brad's not here right now. I was hoping he would be in when I, when I mentioned this. But yesterday morning before I went out, did, um, did some uh, visiting. Brad was here doing a little project uh, with, that's right, with your son. And I, I, I'm in my office, and I, you know, you just get to pray and been studying and finishing up, you know, and stuff. And I got to thinking about this, man. What, what keeps us from revival? And then, <clears throat> so you know, Lord, I remember Revelation three twenty. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. 
And I got to thinking this. Is there anybody in this room that if we heard the knocking of Christ Jesus, we'd go, no, 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 don't let him. How many of you would like to see him come in? Even if he took over everything? Yes. So I said, Lord, do that. And all of a sudden there was a knock <laughs> on the wall. Bang, bang, bang. I, listen, I'm telling you, I kid you not, at the exact moment, at the exact moment, bang. Lord, that's the wall. <laughs> it was Brad. <laughs> I didn't tell him about that. So as you're, as you're leaving this morning, just got to look at him and smile. <laughs> Drive him crazy. But this, this, this is what, you know, let, let's, let's encourage each other. Sin isn't worth it. We've seen enough suffering. We, we've, we've seen enough discouragement. Sin kills. But let's also remember this, that the most serious prayer we can pray concerning this is, Lord, save me from myself. God has given me the victory. But sometimes the flesh just wants to jump back up. Guys, you know what I mean? You know, I just... So let's pray one for another. Now we're going to have some fellowship tonight. Going to have ice cream. Going to have fruit salad. And ice cream. But before we get there, what about if we take some time for this? Maybe there's somebody here that needs that prayer. Maybe there's a specific sin that has been discouraging. Maybe there's something that is working in your life and it's like, boy, Lord, th this is hard to get over. I know. I've been there, and I'm the pastor. We want to finish strong. Amen?